Welcome back to another edition of the Forts Athletics Life and Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Inferna. We're at Forts Athletics. We provide coaches and athletes the tools they need in order to achieve their unique and specific goals. And today, as we are recording, it is Friday, April 23rd. So it's a little late for our Monday release. So we're going to record today for last Monday, and we're going to record another one later for this upcoming Monday. So as we record, like I said, it's April 23rd. It's like 5.15 East Coast time. And I want to recap uh, some of our meet to outcomes for everyone. Uh, If you didn't get a chance to read the blog post, it's up on our website at fortsathletics.com, where I'm kind of chronicling our season, which is really interesting because uh, I have pretty much every season I've chronicled, or I've coached rather, chronicled in uh, long form uh, in journals, paper and pen. Uh, But this season uh, is interesting for a couple reasons. One, it kind of happened by accident. Uh, And two, I am chronicling via a handwritten journal, online journal, and podcast. So kind of getting a glimpse or an inside track at kind of like the inner workings of my coaching philosophy and how everything is kind of manifesting itself. So we had a meet last Friday. We were at SUNY Brockport. And, um, a little interesting. I'm not. I'm sorry. Today's Friday, last Sunday, so not quite a week or so ago, uh, which was uncharacteristic uh, for us. But in in the times of COVID, come to expect the unexpected. So we had a meet on Sunday, so it it made for an interesting week of practice uh, where we had days off where we usually don't have days off and we practice where we would usually have meets. Uh, so overall at SUNY Brockport, we had some, some pretty good performances uh, across the board. Uh, Dylan performed pretty well in the discus, seasonal best. Jameson improved in everything, all three events. Devin did well. Joe had a personal best uh, in the hammer. Uh, so things are really starting to come along and things are getting a lot better, uh, for our athletes. Uh, we had a couple of athletes, you know, make the finals. Dylan made the finals in the hammer and discus, which is really cool. So it's nice to get those extra throws, those bonus throws, if you will, uh, in competition. And what's interesting and what struck me about the meet is kind of like expectations of performances, not of my athletes, but of others. And I thought that was really interesting. And we're not going to talk about names or anything like that, but it's just interesting observing. And the more I coach and the longer I've coached, the more I just kind of sit and watch. And none of my athletes would ever accuse me of talking too much at meets. I know that for sure because I really don't um, do much along the lines of, Coaching, which is my my philosophy. I'm not going to uh, give 10 cues and things of that nature to my athletes when it's not really important. It's not what they're thinking about. 
and it's not really going to help them throw that much farther in the heat of the competition. After the competition, sure, we could have a conversation about different technical cues and, and what we might want to focus on for that week in practice. Uh, but for the most part, what I've talked about in the past is one or two little things, and, um, and that's it. Uh, <clears throat> but at the meet, like I was saying, there was a lot of, I don't know what the right way of putting it is, like body language things that I was noticing and how athletes were physically carrying themselves and how they were uh, approaching their events, how they were approaching the competition, and just, just kind of like general demeanor things. And I'm not one really to like approach an athlete from another team, um, certainly during competition. After the fact, of course, hey, nice job. Uh, best wishes to you, you know, the rest of the season, you know, small talk like that, but nothing ever in the middle of uh, competition. But I was just noticing a lot of body language stuff, and it's really interesting because uh, one of the um, one of the tidbits of information that I share with my athletes is about, you know, how, like, carrying yourself and, like, expectations and real, realistic expectations, things between the ears. And uh, the more I've been coaching, the more I've spent time talking about this stuff in text message form or email or, you know, what have you. And one of the pieces of, you know, tips and suggestions that I've given my athletes in the past is about pre-competition anxiety or centers on that and some things that they can do in order to try and alleviate themselves of those pressures of competing. Um, because sometimes we see differences in, in competition versus practice, where practice things might be a little looser, might be a little bit more laid back, uh, more time to converse with your teammates, etc. cetera. Um, but one of the aspects of, you know, competition is, you know, those, how you physically carry yourself at a competition, right? Are you, what's your body language? Are you, are you smiling? Are you laughing? Are you walking around with your head held high? Are your shoulders slouched? Do you just have this look of, I don't even want to say desperation, but just a look of, I'm not sure what's happening. I'm not sure why I'm not performing well. And the reason why I bring it up is because, you know, a couple of instances uh, that happened this past week uh, where I pulled some of my athletes aside during um, some of their poor breaks in practice or, or you know, kind of like sections of practice. And uh, basically I asked, <laughs> what do you think about the second you step foot into the circle? And uh, the response is, not unlike what I've had in the past, is, well, I don't want to cage the discus. So the... The first immediate thought or the immediate, um, yeah, thought that goes through the athlete's mind is, I don't want to do something negative. I don't want to cage the discus. I don't want to, you know, throw out a bounce or whatever. So that thought causes an emotional reaction. And that emotional reaction of, I don't want to cage something, causes a physiological response, which ultimately is going to dictate that performance. So the negative thought causes negative emotions. Our body, uh, those negative emotions cause uh, negative physiological responses. 
where our blood pressure might go up, heart rate might go up, might affect visual acuity, uh, nervousness, tense, muscle tension. Uh, so pulled him aside. We were talking about that. And I said, you know, for the next round of practice, for the next, um, you know, few uh, throws that you're going to take, I want you to think about the last time you had a really great performance in the circle, what that felt like, how that made you feel, what was your response to that performance. I just got a couple of, like, blank looks. And it's something that we've kind of talked about in the past, but not really. So what I explained to these couple of athletes that I have, uh, athletes that I coach, is think about a positive experience that you had previously with this particular event. So we were talking about the discus. You know, think about a time when you, you know, maybe you set a personal best or you just felt really good about yourself and what was happening as the thoughts before you entered the circle. So that positive thought, in essence, if we know about the brain, and I'm not a brain scientist, but if you kind of follow along a little bit, that positive thought leads to a positive emotional reaction that we're going to have, right? And those positive emotions are going to lead to positive physiological responses, right? So rather than um, maybe feeling a little bit more nervous or tense or increased blood pressure, increased heart rate, uh, you know, poor depth perception, if you will, you're going to have the opposite effect, right? You're going to have positive physiological responses. And over the course of the long haul, those positive physiological responses should, in essence, produce higher quality performances. So for about the next 12 throws in a row between our two, two athletes, they really couldn't have thrown the discus any better right down the center of our sector. Now, after that, we kind of had a few more that either went foul or were caged, but for the most part... For a short amount of time during practice, something happened, right? So after practice, talked about it, and they basically told me that it was, the, it was thoughts of, you know, previous positive outcomes that allowed them to have those, those good throws in practice. Now, the brain is like a muscle, right? It is a muscle. But when we work out and we do our bicep curls, squats, or whatever, uh, you can physically see changes over a longer period of time. You're going to be able to add more weight. You're going to be able to complete more reps, etc. With your brain, it's more difficult to do that. The mental reps that we take, our brain doesn't know the difference whether we're whether it's a mental rep or a physical rep, which is a cool thing. That's why visualization and imagery work so well. Is where, in essence, the reps that we take in our mind's eye um, lead to, are going to lead to better opportunities of having uh, more opportunistic experiences and performances during competition. So those higher quality reps that we take in our mind's eye are going to lead to higher quality reps when it matters most physically 
in the circle, if that makes sense. Now, it's something, it's a skill that has to be practiced. That's what I was trying to explain as we were uh, wrapping up our practice session, is that it's not something that happens over time, or it is something that happens over time, rather, um, that would defy all, all logic otherwise. But it, it is something that takes practice, it takes uh, positive repetition over longer periods of time. So it might we might not see positive outcomes immediately this week. Uh, it might take a couple weeks, it might take a couple months before we get in the habit and develop this habit of having positive thoughts, which in turn are going to lead to positive emotions, which is all, which those positive emotions are going to lead to uh, positive physiological responses, which in turn should lead to positive physical performances. Ooh, now with all that said, why did I share all that stuff? Because I think sometimes at track meets, unlike practice, we may have this unrealistic expectation of what we are capable of doing or what we should be able to do. And uh, I tied this into the quote or into the into the blog that I shared the other day of uh, you know listening to Lance Deal talk at Spire Institute in December of 2015 when I went out there for a conference. So essentially in his talk, uh, he shared something along the lines of, you know, this is from his experiences as an athlete, American record holder in the hammer, world record holder in the weight throw, that at any given time, you should be able to throw within 10% of your personal best, no matter what. You get off the plane, you should be able to throw 10%. Any given practice or any given meet, you should be able to throw within 10%. Um, and he went on and he shared more um, you know, factors and just like anecdotal information that plays a, a role in that. But it really got me thinking about that. Like 10%, depending on you know the, the, the caliber of thrower you are, it's a huge range. Um, when... Uh, that was Lewis's senior year um, at NAS. So he was about, you know, a high 19-meter weight thrower. Let's make it 20 meters just to, to make it even. So basically, at any given time, either practice, competition, or whatever, he should be able to throw at least 18 meters, right, or about 60 feet every single time. Now, as you get better, that range is going to uh, get a lot, you know, larger. It's going to grow. So he's essentially a 60-meter thrower, so no matter what, he should be at least 55 meters every single time. And that kind of plays with realistic expectations a little bit because you might be a 60-meter hammer thrower and might think to yourself, man, I threw 56 meters, four meters under my personal best. But you're still within that range, uh, depending on the competition, where you are, who you're competing against, that four meters probably isn't going to make a difference. Uh, if you're the top rate thrower in the region, in the state, in the county, in the conference, uh, a 10% window might not make that much of a difference. So in Lewis's case, he threw like 54 meters at our conference championship, which wasn't a big deal because it's like it's still like six meters farther than anybody else. Uh, but we had realistic expectations going into that. So we knew 
that we were working on some things technically. We were trying to be a little bit more proficient, uh, which was going to come at a cost of improvement to fit the, this, the actual distance of him throwing. So getting back to Brockport, if you're still following along here, right? So there were athletes and there were competitors. And, you know, if you follow along, it's one thing. But, uh, you know, when you see people competing meet after meet after meet after meet, uh, week after week over the course of years, it just kind of makes you think, it kind of makes you wonder a little bit about how coaches and athletes interact in regards to those expectations. Um, we had a, our athletes had a meet today uh, that I wasn't able uh, to attend that I'm going to talk a little bit about over the course of the weekend in the next uh, you know, podcast. But in some of the text message conversations that I've already had, there was a breakdown on my fault. It was my, uh, something that I need to do better as a coach of communicating what those types of expectations might be going from meet to meet to meet. It's going to be difficult to improve and set a personal best every time. Like, that's just unrealistic. But gradual, incremental changes are good. Uh, depending on what, you know, the purpose of the need is or what the goals are. Uh, but I want to get too far uh, down the rabbit hole with that one. Um, but just some, some food for thought for coaches out there in regards to, you know, realistic expectations and how, you know, they communicate those expectations to their athletes, how body language and um, confidence that we control uh, ourselves as individuals plays a role in our performances, how imagery plays a role in hopefully lowering that pre-competition anxiety that we might have um, as, as athletes and individuals. Uh, something to think about. Uh, if you have any thoughts or comments or questions or concerns or, you know, um, interest in some of the activities or strategies that I share with my athletes, please don't hesitate to ask. You can reach out at Forza Athletics across all social media uh, channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can email ForzaAthletics at gmail.com. That goes directly to me. If you have any questions or, you know, need some tips or you know, just have some concerns about things, whatever it is, anything you need to talk about, you know, track, related, um, send us a message. Uh, it's cool to interact and, and, and converse with, you know, athletes and coaches and try and figure this stuff out because I think it's really interesting, number one. And with all things being equal physically, you know, the, the thoughts that we have going through our minds during competition and leading up to competition are ultimately going to dictate our performance that day. Um, and, and I, I firmly believe that, that it is between our ears is what's ultimately going to make the difference. Now, this is, this is all other physical attributes being equal, right? I'm not talking about, you know, we go to a competition, you have a, you know, 60 foot shot putter and a 30 foot shot putter. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all things being equal, you know, being within a meter of somebody in the discus or shot put or hammer. The difference is going to be between the ears, right? Some of those outcomes per individuals are also going to be predetermined before you even show up, depending on how the weeks 
days leading up to the competition went. But that's for another podcast. But uh, thank you for very much. I, was gonna, I don't know what I was going to say there, but thank you very much for, for listening and taking the time. I really appreciate it. You know, if you have any comments about anything, let us know. Uh, if you like what we're um, sharing here on the podcast, you know, leave us a, a review uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You know, Forts Athletics Life and Coaching Podcast, leave a positive review, negative review. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Thank you very much for listening and have a great day.